Welcome to a special edition of the MS Dev Show recorded live from the Channel 9 stage. Carl and I recap our favorite build announcements. In our next few episodes, we'll have in-depth coverage of the biggest stories from Build. This episode of the MS Dev Show is brought to you by Espose, the market leader of .NET and Java APIs for file business formats. Natively work with DocX, XSLX, PPT, PDF, MSG, MPP, image formats, and many more. Welcome to a very special episode of the MS Dev Show, recorded from the Channel Line stage. Um, if you're not familiar with the show, we are an independent uh, podcast that covers Microsoft-related technologies, and we also publish out on uh, Channel Nine. So it's a real honor to be up here. Um, so I'm Jason. I'm Carl. And uh, yeah, this is this is a little bit different than what we normally do. Definitely. Uh, Definitely nice not having to stress out about the audio, so this is really cool. Uh, so how's your build experience been so far? It's been pretty good. I've been at build for five times now, and uh, every year it just gets better and better. The keynotes were amazing. Uh, they have a, a lot of great sessions where you can t not just talk uh, about technology, but talk to the engineers behind the technology. So that's always a really good experience uh, about build. One of the main reasons why I love coming here. Yep. And I'm so glad that it's in Seattle, Cloud City. Yep. So, and now I live here, so it's really close for me. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to go through um, some of the build announcements that we thought were interesting and kind of give uh, you know, a little bit of a, a personal take on these things. Uh, so what I wanted to start with was uh, Project Emma, which was such an amazing uh, video that got played during the, the first day keynote. And that's really close to my heart because uh, my dad and my grandfather both have Parkinson's, so I can really relate to this. Um, basically, it's, a, it's this watch that, that you end up wearing and... Uh, um, it ends up making it so that somebody who is, you know, from the tremors is unable to draw. It actually steadies their hand and makes it so that they can draw. Well, and not only that, but one thing that they didn't show on there is like people with Parkinson's, you know, their hands are unsteady, you know, drawing is one thing, but it's also difficult for them to feed themselves. Yeah. So this is, you know, one thing that really is life changing and gives them a little bit more independence. Yeah. So Microsoft really is changing the world. I mean, we, it's something that we like to say all the time, but yeah. really are changing the world. And then, you know, it really goes back to it, it, you know, what Sacha always says. Um, he says that you know, diversity and inclusion helps us build better products for you know, a diverse audience. And this is just such a great example of that. Um, so what was one of your favorite things? So uh, going to like my number one thing was learning about XAML standard. Mm -hmm. um, being somebody who grew up as a Windows Phone developer and uh, into UWP, XAML is one of the core technologies that builds that. And then uh, when you look at Xamarin Forms, that uses XAML too, but it's not the same. Mm -hmm. So just like what uh, .NET standard is doing for .NET, XAML standard will be doing for uh, XAML. And one thing that's really important to note too is that this is really early in the days of this XAML standard. So they're looking for tons and tons of feedback on how they should be doing things. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I was a little bit misinformed at the beginning, I thought that they had already started this and it was like based on one of the two flavors that I had mentioned, but they're really looking at you know what choices they need to make to okay. make this as painless and smooth as possible, as well as uh, gives them the greatest set of capabilities going forward. 
But you know, once that's available, we'll be able to target not just all the Microsoft technologies, but we'll be able to build for the other platforms too. That was one of the, the big things that Microsoft has made very clear during these sets of keynotes is they're not just about Windows anymore, they're making about everybody's platform better. And that's, that's really exciting to me as a developer. Yep. So that really opens up what I can do and what my reach is. I'm not stuck on the Windows platform, I can hit all the others as well. Exactly, and, and anytime you make it so that I can write one set of code and use that knowledge to, to write, you know, to basically reuse that code and have it work exactly the same. That's the everywhere dream. Everywhere else, yes. <laughs> having, having XAML and then this other thing that's like XAML-ish, uh, that, that's know, hard. I'm glad that we're getting away from that world. So that's great for developers. Which actually brings me into my next pick, which was uh, .NET Standard. And it's kind of the same theme, right? So now .NET is .NET is .NET. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I've talked about it on the show before quite a, quite a bit, where you know when uh, you know these different variants of, of .NET came out, it was like I had a different set of tooling, and maybe unit tests were there, maybe they weren't. And I were always wanted .NET to be .NET. When I wrote my .NET code, I want to be able to run the same unit set of unit tests and use that code everywhere. Well, and then they had the solutions of the PCLs, but then you had to realize, like, if I want this platform and this platform, that means I have to target less code. I don't have exactly. as much available, which made my job actually harder. So this is actually bringing that back, especially uh, .NET Standard 2, which really yep. is the full .NET 4.6.1. Yeah. Uh, it makes that available across all the different plat uh, platforms, ASP.NET Core. Um, yeah, great that, API coverage. Yeah, that, that's just excellent. Okay, really what was your excited next pick? About that. Uh, the next pick um, was, told, I was actually kind of sidelined by this, but Azure <laughs> IoT Edge. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm an IoT developer, I do that professionally. And being able to uh, take like these APIs that we normally have to call up to Azure for and bring them down to the device level. Yep. That's powerful. It's so powerful and it actually blew my mind. It's something that like, I, we should have thought about this earlier. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I love the, the demo that uh, Sam George did. So he actually showed this emergency response time and he had all this critical data going up to the cloud and the cloud was using that data to make a decision mm -hmm. about you know, when to shut a machine down um, in an emergency situation. And it was showing you know, two seconds response time, which is actually pretty good for going through the cloud mm -hmm. and ap applying a machine learning algorithm. But I was sitting there I'm like, why are you doing this? Like, this is critical. You, know, it, you don't know how reliable the internet connection is. And and thankfully, he pushed the button, took that logic, moved it down to the edge. The response time dropped down to 100 milliseconds. And now the code's running where it should be. And it was the same code. Yeah, and there's a lot of times you need to make those key decisions. And it, you know, it may not be an internet outage, but it yeah. just may be that you have a large volume of data that your mm -hmm. device just ha hasn't had a chance to send yet, but it has sitting on the device. It can make that short-circuiting much, yep. much faster. Exactly. So again, it's about writing one set of code and having it run where it needs to run, not having to make big modifications to it. Mm -hmm. And it's just about making it so that I can write a piece of code and be more productive. So um, super excited about that one as well. Um, the next one for me was .NET Snapshot, which kind of blows my mind. Yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, we had a chance to talk to Scott Hunter about this. And when he was telling about this, my mouth just was <laughs> hanging really low. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit, like, yeah. you know, what, what is a snapshot? Yeah, our, our, snap when, when we recorded that episode, our, our surprise was genuine. So the ability to, in production, have, you know, essentially set uh, not a breakpoint, but basically a snapshot point at a particular piece of code or a place where mm -hmm. exceptions are occurring, and then being able to 
connect Visual Studio up to Azure, and then um, essentially cloning, the way I think of it is yeah. kind of cloning that production environment, being able to look at all my variable values, and then sort of you know, step forward, essentially. So you know, what we always try to do whenever, as a developer, whenever we're trying to reproduce a problem, is we, we try to reproduce it on our local machine. Well, now instead of trying to set all that stuff up, we can just yeah. bring the actual things that are happening in production without affecting production down to our local well, machine. And, and sometimes that's impossible to get. You're getting these scenarios that are only happening in production. Yep. And what's, uh, what's happening as well is all of your variable states are being saved. Yeah. And it, it, if you're getting that one weird thing, they're like, oh, this is getting filled with this weird value. You can actually step back, especially when you combine this with like application insights, to figure out where that's actually happening. Yep. So now as a developer, when you say it works on my box, now somebody can say, well, bring down this data and see if this works on your box, <laughs> which and, is great. Um, I believe part of it too is that uh, Azure will auto snapshots, uh, uh, take these auto snapshots of things that it thinks is weird mm -hmm. for you to connect to as well. So being able to bring those down to your device and, and work on uh, mm -hmm. you know, the things that the AI has figured out, this is some weird outlying data, that's pretty powerful too. And that's something you don't have to write a line of code for. It just comes with the tooling now. Yeah, and as Scott put it, I mean, it's such a great example of how .NET and Azure are better together. I mean, they're both amazing products on their, that stand on their own. You don't have to use both of them. But if you use both of them together, then it's a, you know, it's a, it's a great experience that you can't mm -hmm. find anywhere else, which is really great. What's next up on your list? So the next up is, we've talked about this in the past, but this just got a huge boost is Project Rome. Yep. So this is where you can um, use a set of APIs by Microsoft and you can set these kind of almost key value pairs and you have send data and it'll synchronize between your devices. Mm -hmm. But the really, really cool thing now is it works not just on Android and Windows, but iOS. Yeah. And Knowing the restrictions on iOS, this is actually kind of mind-blowing. Yeah, we're, we're not sure how they're doing it, but it's yes. really cool. And we will definitely talk to them later to figure out exactly how yep. this is happening. But I mean, being able to have the same state, to be uh, pick up on your iPhone, your Android. I mean, you could have an, a an iPad, yeah. an Android phone, and a Windows de uh, desktop, and it all just works together now. Yep. I mean, that is really mind-blowing on some level. Yeah. Um, but on top of that, this is the feature that powers a lot of the new things that they brought into um, the keynote uh, pieces as well, like the cloud clipboard and yeah. uh, Windows timeline. Oh, so, I didn't even realize that. That's very cool. Yeah, because you, you can see what you're doing on other devices yeah. and pick up there. So, I mean, that's all okay. exactly what Rome does. And very cool. Okay. And they have the best code name ever. <laughs> yes. So many puns. Yeah, so many puns. Um, what did I have next on my list? Oh, the Microsoft Graph, uh, which has actually been out for a while, um, but more and more stuff keeps getting added to the, the Microsoft Graph. So, if you're so, so the, yeah, go ahead. This starts from the Office 365 Graph. So that's, that's yep. where it originated. Mm -hmm. So I, I kind of wanted to make that clear because they mentioned Microsoft Graph all over both keynotes, mm -hmm. but they never stopped to just pause yep. and said, hey, this is where it came from. Yeah. And I think that's a really important distinction. Yep. So once you have that base set of knowledge, 
Or if you don't, you can, you can go look. What is the Office 365 graph and how are they building it out? Exactly. So it's not even new, but they've basically been using this as a foundation to add new functionality. So the Office graph, start, or the, the Microsoft graph, started with uh, things like you know, contacts and your calendar items mm -hmm. and those types of things, making it easy to access those and then access the relationship between people in an organization um, and how those things all connect. Because as you can imagine, I mean, it's just, it really is yeah. a graph structure that connects all those things. And um, even our applications have knowledge of this app. So yeah. you can build this graph knowledge into your applications, which makes uh, gives Windows more information about your app and what it's trying to do as well. Yeah, and it's really it's actually really easy to use. I mean, once you're once you're authenticated, um, it's pretty easy to traverse through that. You know, there's mm -hmm. like a there's a me object, yep. and then every you know you're sort of the center because you're the one that's authenticated. And then from me, you can you can uh, traverse that graph and get what you to what you need to get to. Um, but now this is being extended with things like IoT yep. devices and the relationships between those. Um, so I think this is something that you know it was mentioned a lot of times in the keynote. I think. There's probably a lot of developers that haven't looked into it, but I think this is something where um, I think this is kind of like a secret winner. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this is something to really follow because it's just going to keep more and more stuff's mm -hmm. going to keep getting added in there, and it's going to get really powerful over time. Aspose offers a powerful set of file management APIs with which developers can create applications, which can create open, edit, and save the majority of popular business file formats. Their product range supports a multitude of file formats, including Word documents, Excel spreadsheets, PowerPoint presentations, PDF documents, OneNote, Outlook, Project, Visio files, popular image formats, and many others. Aspose produces APIs for .NET, Java, and the cloud, which can be utilized in almost any modern language available today. Visit www.aspose.com for a free 30-day no-limitations trial. And if you get stuck, message the friendly support team for help. All technical support is offered free of charge. Remember, if you're a lucky winner, you will receive a free developer small business license for Aspose.Words for .NET, a powerful toolkit to work with Word documents in your applications. Yeah, and um, the previous uh, session on this stage, as we recorded, was actually about the Fluent Design System, and that was the next thing that I'm really excited about, because not only does it bring uh, a lot more polish to the existing UI, but it gives us uh, a lot more easier to use APIs as part of this. So uh, a lot of this is powered by the Composition APIs. Uh, we've talked to James Clark before about this yep. and how that works. And as powerful as they were and as how much cool stuff they've done optimizing. They've always been a little bit hard to use. And uh, yesterday I attended a couple of the sessions on composition. And they're, they're taking some of that stuff that took many, many lines of code and understanding these con complex relationships between the objects and turning them into you know, like one okay. or two lines of code is all you I was going to say, do. so it doesn't just look cool. It, yes. is, it is cool from a developer yeah. perspective. And, and not only that, but like some of the stuff you just get for free. So there's a, uh, the, the- I like free. The visual hinting on the, the lighting and um, some of that stuff is going to just be baked into the system going forward. Okay. And so, one, you'll get a lot more for free, and the stuff that makes your, your apps really shine mm -hmm. it becomes those one or two line things that you're going to copy off of Stack Overflow. Okay. Well, that's really cool. I like that because now I can call myself a designer, too. <laughs> Anything I can put on my resume. Uh, so the next thing is the Azure console. And uh, this, is, this is pretty mind-blowing uh, because you know, we had an episode on the, uh, the cross-platform mm -hmm. CLI 2.0, uh, which is powered by Python. 
And um, I've actually had a, a chance to use it pretty extensively, the, the, the command line version. And uh, I've been using it from Bash, actually, on Windows. So I've been yeah. using every technology imaginable. Um, and it's just so easy to use. Um, and it's available you know, on all my machines. But what they announced was this uh, was, the, was basically a, a, a cloud console. So, so in the Azure portal itself. Yeah. So when you're in the Azure portal, if you look up in the top right, you'll see like a little command line thing. It actually, it, they published it a couple days before build. I'm curious how many people saw that button and then you know, mm -hmm. clicked it out of curiosity. But you click that, and then this magic happens. Because what it does is it, it provisions a little bit of storage space for you mm -hmm. so that uh, it can maintain uh, the state of like kind of where you're at in that command line. So it's actually a cloud drive. Yeah, but it's, 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 a, it's a cloud command line. And it's, and, and it's also automatically logged in as you. Yep. With all of your permissions, yep. so that's you don't have to exactly. even go through like the, those few bit of command lines yep. to uh, get there. Because you've already logged into the portal, so it just yep. maintains that login. But it's that nice yeah. little polish that makes this even more pleasurable to use. Yeah, I just push it and I'm good to go. And then I can, you can even go in there and type like top, like it's actually running uh, Linux, which is which is pretty cool. Um, the command line is all pre-installed. So you can just type AZ, and it will give you, you know, help in there. It'll give you some, uh, some hints on what you can type. Um, but you can start you know, listing out your different resource groups, uh, managing all your Azure resources right from there. And then if you jump over to a different computer, push the same button with the same login, you can just continue right where you took off. So, and, and then they took it one step further even, yep. and, and not only announced an Azure app for all the major uh, platforms, so yep. you can go on and manage all your stuff there. But the console, the exact same one, yep. is there as well. Yep. So if you're out at dinner and like you have, uh, you no, know, don't do that. Pro probably, <laughs> a, probably a bad design. If you if get, it's, if if it's you a work get to dinner, maybe it's a work <laughs> dinner. If you get to this point where you have to be managing Azure, like uh, you know, while you're out to dinner, like you've probably done something wrong. But if you have to, you can pull out your phone and actually start working on a Bash command line, <laughs> managing your Azure subscription, uh, which is just kind of mind blowing. And it's one of those things where. You know, since it's in the cloud, it was just easy to add into the mobile app. So, you know, great, great work there. Yeah. Yeah, the next thing that I had uh, kind of brings back a previous feature, but it does a better job on it, yeah. is the OneDrive files on demand. Yep. So uh, that was one thing that when we started this podcast, we used OneDrive to kind of sync uh, all the stuff between ourselves. And one of the cool things is like after a while, it would like, it would be on your uh, file system and it would be synced to the cloud. And after yep. a while, your file system would be like, oh, I'm just going to delete that. You haven't yeah, touched it in yeah, a while. Exactly. And, and for us, that worked great. And it disappeared. And we're like, darn it. And <laughs> they brought it back now. And what I really liked, when I, what I saw about it, it isn't just that they brought this back, but they added... Uh, a lot more polished to the UI. So you, it's very, very clear. This is in yeah. the cloud. It's in both places. Um, and not only that, but how to manage it. You could just right click on what that is and tell it explicitly, you know, like, hey, I, I want it yep. here always. I want to pin it, or I want it in the cloud always. Exactly. Or, you know, I want it here for now, but like after a while, just. Yeah, your user interface is the file, you know, is File Explorer. Yes. And that's, that's where I want it to be. I don't want to have to go into a separate tool. And so that integration really sets wonder apart. And, and it's built in, and it's not an extra plug-in like it was before. Exactly. Um, and then my next item is actually one that, uh, you know, the partners that I work with, um, they've been asking for this for various scenarios. You know, obviously, um, everybody loves SQL Server, but yep. there's, there's scenarios where uh, MySQL and PostgreSQL make a lot of sense. And guess what? They're using Azure. They want to start hosting okay. this in Azure. So one of the big announcements was, bringing these databases in as a managed offering. So I can say, you know what? I want to get a MySQL database. Give me one of those. Well, and sometimes, too, it's you don't want to rewrite your code because you are accessing these databases in yep. different ways. Yeah, um, exactly. I'm going to add something to this list sure. for you. Uh, was <laughs> Cosmos DB. Yes. 
So uh, you want to I can't tell believe that wasn't on my list. Yeah. So Cosmos DB, um, you know, so the, the foundation of that came from, from Document DB, obviously, obviously but um, tons of huge, huge improvements. So they keep working on making this thing scale to massive levels. I mean, we saw um, some stats in there. I think it was like 100 million, uh, what was it, requests per second. I can't remember the exact stats, but they were kind of mind-blowing stats. You know, most people will be like well under that, so they know that they have a lot of headroom because um, you're paying for, for the, the performance and you're paying for the, the size of the database. Um, and then what they've done is there's a whole bunch of different interfaces. And in the past, what I've done, I actually found like the MongoDB client library to be really great for working with document databases. Yep. So being able to use the MongoDB client interface against Cosmos DB, I found that to be incredibly powerful because I, yeah. I provision my database, that takes a few seconds, and then with three lines of code, I'm now interacting with mm -hmm. this ma fully managed database in the way that I want to. Yeah, and then in addition, so this isn't just a document database. Right. They've also what, a graph database as yep. well as... With, uh, with a Gremlin query language. And then uh, table storage. Yep. And what's the fourth one? I know there's a fourth one. Uh, put me on the spot. I can't remember what the fourth <laughs> one is. <laughs> but either way, I mean, if, if you have additional types of data requirements, you mm -hmm. can use this same product to get them all done. Yeah. And then I can imagine, like, down the road, um, if there's other interfaces that are popular, they mm -hmm. might end up becoming databases for Cosmos DB. Obviously, I don't want to speak for the team, but yeah. I would love to see that. And it seems like they've set a precedent for being able to create these things. Um, so it just means whatever interface you're most comfortable with is what you can use. So what do you got next? Uh, the next thing that I have is, uh, we mentioned earlier on Project Chrome, is the cloud-powered clipboard, mm -hmm. um, including from iOS and Android. So if you have uh, the SwiftKey keyboard installed coming soon, uh, when you copy and paste using that clipboard, it's going to get synchronized to the cloud. So you could uh, get that on your desktop. But what I see is more important is there's like a lot of times like um, I'll be on my desktop, I want to copy something because I... You know, like I'm on my phone already, and I'm at a website that has some information. You know, maybe it's maybe it's like a weird token or key, yeah. or you he, know, he asked like, how many of you have sent a photo, you know, over email yeah. to yourself? <laughs> so now you can copy that from your desktop and yeah. then be on mobile, where it's a little bit harder to use a yeah. keyboard or, like you say, uh, getting a picture on there or something, yeah. and just paste it in. And the keyboard and was such a clever way of doing that. I mean, that's it is, and you know, it's you know one of those things that shows like how clever you know, the collective people at Microsoft are and like, hey, we have this one technology, we can use it for this so many other things. Mm -hmm. uh, the only thing that, you know, I would like to see is Microsoft actually has multiple keyboards in each of the stores. You know, yeah. I'd like to see all of them support this just because um, it is so powerful. Okay, you got time for one more pick. One more pick. I'm going to pick the Windows timeline. So I, I don't know if they exactly said that this is like an alt tab replacement, but it's going to replace whatever, uh, you know, alt yeah. tab is for me because you can see what you're working on in other devices as well. So just like on uh, the browsers, you can see like, hey, I was using Chrome yep. and on my PC, on my laptop, and on my phone. And I can see what I was using on my phone and just pick up what I was doing there. And not only that, but like I could pick up the exact state that I was using PowerPoint on my desktop on my phone to quick, you know, do a, a quick on-the-fly update of something before I send it off to, uh, you know, yeah. somebody I work with. Yeah, it was very cool, and I was obviously using some of the new design language stuff too. Yeah, and um, uh, part so of that exciting. is a, uh, we're not going to go into it, but the adaptive cards. Yeah. Okay, so uh, where can people find you, Carl? You can find me on Twitter at Carl Schweitzer, and you can find me on Twitter at Ytechy. Uh, yeah, at Ytechy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, thank you all for watching, um, and uh, you know, enjoy the rest of your build. You too. Thank you.